Well, good morning to you. Uh, so glad that you are here. If we have not met, my name is David. I serve as a senior pastor here. I want to welcome you if you are here uh, at our 930 Cornerstone service, those who are attending the Well and the Well Cafe today. I, I just realized that we, we didn't include something in, in the bulletin that we should have. We should just pass out Kleenexes as, as you came in. Sorry we didn't do that. We'll, well, we'll do that next uh, Mother's Day before we share a video like that. If you have your Bible with you today, I want to encourage you to open that to Genesis chapter 1. If you did not bring your Bible with you, there's blue Bibles in all of our worship spaces. You'll find Genesis 1 on page 1. And my guess is, regardless of which Bible you brought today, you'll find Genesis 1 on page 1. So there you go. That's your, uh, that's your help to find that. Uh, if you were here last week or any of the, uh, the preceding weeks, you know that we just finished up a series called What's Next. In recent weeks, we've shared with you the plans that our building planning team has been working on over the course of this last year to, uh, to help us prepare for for the future. Uh, and I want to remind you of a few things. First, next weekend, next Sunday after all of our 11 o'clock services, uh, we're going to have a church conference here in our main sanctuary. If you are not normally here at the end of our 11 o'clock services, just plan on being here about 1215. Uh, we'll be bringing before our church body uh, some action steps, the next steps we need to take in, in moving forward those plans. And as you think about that, I want you to remind you that we're doing a church-wide survey right now uh, as we prepare for that. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find all the information to take that survey uh, at firstmethodistmansfield.org forward slash what's next. Additionally, if you'd like to uh, supply that survey uh, with paper, we have some paper copies at all of our connecting points today so you can pick one of those up. And then the second thing I want to do before we dive in today, this week and next week, I want to address with you just two of the most frequent questions I've been asked over the course of of the last few weeks as we've done Q&A events and town halls and, and share all of this information. The question I want to address with you real quick this week is what will these plans enable us to do? Some of you have stopped by the, the atrium or outside one of our other worship spaces and you've looked at all the drawings and there's lots of details, tons of conversations, tons of decisions that have made, uh, been made along the way. But what's the 50,000 foot view of what these plans will enable our church to do? Why are they important to our future. And to, to illustrate that, I want to show you uh, this slide that I shared at the town hall on April 22nd. What this shows you is the capacity of space that we have uh, for our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ according to some very important areas in the life of our church. Uh, parking, for instance, is a very important area in the life of our church. You may have never thought about uh, the idea that concrete is actually something that can be used to help make disciples. But uh, if you uh, get here between 9.15 and 12.15 p.m. On, uh, on Sunday morning, you probably recognize it is actually important. You need a, a space to park. Maybe you've had a hard time finding a space to park. So what this shows us is at our peak times in each of these areas, how much of our capacity are we utilizing? Now you see down here middle school and high school, by the way this red line here, this is 100%. Middle school and high school, it's crazy. We're at 183% with high school and you think, well how in the world are we doing that? It's like kids sitting on kids' laps on another lap, like how, how do we have 183%? Well with middle school and high school, their prime time hours are not between 9.15 a.m. and 12.15 p.m. on Sunday morning. They're the only two listed here that uh, are not at that time, which means that there's 
additional space they can utilize uh, during those times. So if you'll just set those aside for the moment and you look at what we have here, elementary, worship, nursery, parking, adult. Uh, the first thing I want to point out to you as you look at this is, again, this is all space that we use to fulfill our mission. And the way I want to encourage you to think about this, you can actually help me with this. If you'll just take your two hands, just like this, and, and put them together. You see how that just kind of fits together? I want you to think about that all of these, all of these work together. And all of them are essential. So again, a worship space like our sanctuary or our chapel or the loft, those, those are wonderful, great spaces, sacred spaces that we love and we appreciate. But if none of them had any doors or if there wasn't any parking for people to utilize in order to participate in worship that happens in those spaces, well, they wouldn't be able to make the maximum impact on, on God's kingdom. And so you look at our worship number here. We got 44% uh, capacity. So 44 on a regular Sunday, which by the way, today's not actually a regular Sunday. So maybe not the best Sunday to make this illustration. But if you look around, there's probably some seats that you see. We have space to grow in our worship spaces. But what defines the ceiling for us is where we hit max capacity in any of these areas. And so if you arrive at 930 and you can't find a parking spot, well, it doesn't matter how many seats you have in worship. So what are we trying to do? What's the big picture idea of the plans? The big picture idea is bringing our spaces into balance with one another so that the spaces that we have available, that people have sacrificed and given to, we can maximize what we already have for the sake of fulfilling our mission and impacting the kingdom of God. So we're talking about increased parking, spaces for adults to connect, uh, spaces for children, youth, all those kinds of things because we want to make sure that the sacrifices that have already been made, we can make the maximum impact with what God has given us. So I hope that gives you just a little bit of clarity. There's tons of details, but as you think about what we're doing, I want you to think about balance, balancing our spaces so again, we can make the maximum impact uh, on God's kingdom. So with that being done, uh, let me begin this new series with you by by telling you that in my first few years of ministry, I worked as a pastor with students. And one of the things that I learned is how important it was to return to those topics that were of really critical importance to those I was pastoring. So what that meant in student ministry was that every third semester or every 18 months, we would do a six-week series on sex. Now, I want you to first recognize that I said that word and we're all still here. Everything's okay, all right? So, uh, but we would do a six-week series on sex because parents wanted me to do it. They were really excited that we were addressing this topic. They, uh, all they wanted was over the course of six weeks, just come up with lots of creative ways to say, don't do it. You know, that's all, just please talk to my kids. They knew that their kids needed to hear about this. But what was surprising to me is how kids wanted to hear about this as well. The attendance would spike during the sex series that we did for six weeks. And I realized that part of that was that kids loved watching me being very awkward dealing with an uncomfortable situation. They took great delight in that. And so we, we talked about it every six weeks. It was an important thing. And, and, and I say that to, to say this, that I still practice that today. Now, if you're brand new here, that doesn't mean that we have a sex series every 18 months. I don't know if that makes you disappointed or I, I don't know. But we, we don't do that here in our, in our uh, services each weekend. But there, there are topics that we return to on a regular basis. 
And what's at the heart of this series we're starting today is one of those topics. At the heart of this series is really the idea of community. And we come back to that topic again and again for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's one of our core values. We believe that shared lives lead to changed lives. In other words, for you to become who God has called you to be, who God dreams you will one day be, we believe that will not happen unless you are sharing your life intentionally and authentically in community with one another. You cannot do that by yourself. You cannot do that alone. We believe in, in community. But here's the other reason. We know also, as we think about the, the, the people that we serve, the lives that we live, uh, we know that in our day we have what John Ortberg in his book Soul Keeping describes, a great enemy of our soul, which is the busy, hurried lives that we live. In that book, uh, Ortberg says this, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. Because either way, your soul will shrivel. And many of us live lives that are defined by shriveled souls because one of the casualties of the hurried lives that we live are the relationships that we need. We, we, we forget to invest in those in part because the benefit of them may not be immediately evident to us. A frantic, busy life uh, by its very nature uh, leads us to live a more self-centered life rather than a life that focuses on others. And so one of the casualties of the, life that the, the lives that we lived is often the relationships that we so desperately need. That's one of the reasons that we come back to it over and over and over again. But again, uh, finally, when we think about community, we recognize that community is, the heart, uh, is at the heart of what it means to be the church. And it's also at the heart of why we need the church. It's at the heart of why we're here, why we believe in this, and why we think this is important for you in, in, in your life. At, at Starting Point, the, the, the event that we do for those who are uh, making membership commitments to our church, I often joke about the fact that we have worship every seven days. And we don't do that because we're bored. Like, well, I got nothing else to do on Sunday. Let's all, you know, let's all get together. I, I, I've, I've come up with something to say. Let's all get together again. Now we do that every week because we think that discipline, that routine, that life of sharing life together, that's important. It's part of what we commit to do when we make a membership commitment to church is to be present with one another because in that presence we recognize that's part of where life change happens. Let me give you another example of this. You may have seen uh, in one of our services before uh, infant baptism or the a baptism of a young child. And if you've been a part of that, you know that the last act of that sacrament is promises that we share together. We put words on the screen and we all share them together. They represent, as, as, as we share with you, they represent the promises that we are making to that child. Some of you have said these so many times, you don't even need to look at the screen. You have memorized them. You know that every time we say, with God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that this child, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. We say those words after we make the parents promise. One of the questions we ask, will you raise your child in the church? so that we may also bless them and nurture them as they grow in their life because we believe that if a child is to be established in the faith in the way that leads to life eternal, 
Part of what they need is a community of people who are ordering their lives after the example of Christ and who are surrounding them with steadfast love, encouraging them, equipping them, nurturing in their life every single day of their life. That's an expression of our belief in community and how desperately we need that in our life. In this series, we're looking at that through three primary relationships, mothers, fathers, and mentors. Thinking about that it's Mother's Day this weekend, that we're moving to the end of the school year, we're thinking about mothers, fathers, and mentors. And here's the big idea, you've already heard this, but I wanna, uh, want you to hear it again. The big idea of this series is that what every child needs is what every person needs. What every child needs is what every person needs. These relationships in our life, these are not something that we set aside when we graduate from high school or when we get that first job, we move to that next chapter in our life. What every child needs is what every single person needs. And so as you think about mothers, think about moms, you think about this idea of community, uh, I want to invite you to look at Genesis chapter 1 with me. We're on day 6 of creation, beginning with verse 26, here's what we find. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And just in case you may have memorized that in the old King James, that would be the part where it says, all the creatures that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now we come back to Genesis 1 all the time, in part because in the creation story, we see an understanding of two things, relationship and vocation. In the first chapter of the Bible, page one of the Bible, there is an understanding of the vocation, the calling that is given to all of humanity. And that calling is to care for the creation that God has brought into, into existence. All along the way, day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all along the way, God has paused to evaluate this creation. And God has said over and over again, it is good. And God entrusts the goodness of creation, the beauty of creation, what is sacred about creation to humanity. So in your original design, your original calling, you are called to be a gardener, a steward, a manager, a shepherd of what God has entrusted to you. This is the sense of vocation that we find here in the very first chapter of the Bible. We're on page one of the Bible. But we also have a sense of the relationship between the creator and every single thing that has been brought into creation. The, 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 the earth that we see, the sky, the land, and every living thing, those that move on the ground, those that swim in the sea, those that fill the sky. And of all the living things on day six, there is an additional living thing brought into existence that is different than everything else. Look at verse 27 again. Because this thing, humanity, according to verse 27, is created in the image of God. Now stick with me for just a moment. How many of y'all know what a pronoun is? 
Okay, three people in here know what a pronoun is. All of four, all of the English teachers are just so overjoyed with you that you know what a, so here's what a pronoun is. Here's, here's one definition. A pronoun is a word that we use in our discourse that functions as a way of referring to someone or something mentioned elsewhere in that discourse, in the narrative, in the story. And here in Genesis 127, we see some pronouns that are used. And pronouns are helpful. I don't know if you ever thought about it, but how odd our conversations would be if we didn't use pronouns. We had to continually refer to someone's name or the place over and over and over again. It's one of the ways that we deal with the limits of language. And language by its very nature, though it's a blessing to us, there are limitations to it. So we think about the use of pronouns and we think about the idea that well, we can still kind of be confused by that sometimes. You might have been reading a, a book, uh, some, uh, been, been a part of a story and there's a reference there, there's a he or a she and you think, well, I wonder who the he is or who the she is or maybe you found that in scripture and you're wondering, well, exactly what is being referred to here? And in Genesis 127, I think there's an example here of in the English translation of the original Hebrew, there is a possibility that you could miss something really big because of the use of pronouns. Here in Genesis 127, there's a reference to both male and female. But the pronoun that is used, you might notice this, is one that we associate with what? We associate with male. So let me show you, let me show you what maybe another way of thinking about what is embedded here in Genesis 127, a huge truth that I want you to capture today, that what Genesis 127 is saying is in the image of the one, the one created the two. In the image of the one, the one God, the one God created the two. Now the word image, when we think of that word, the, again, the English word that's used uh, in the translation here, we often think of the appearance of something, the form of something. That's what we think about when we use that word image. But the word here in the Hebrew really means more of the function of something, the character of something, or maybe we might think of the essence of something. So in the image of the one, the one created the two, which is why it is in the union of the two that in the coming together of the two, the union of the two, male and female, the act which originates in the one, the creation of new life, can occur again. It's when the two are united as what the scriptures say, one, that we have the chance to participate in the miraculous gift of creation that originates in the one. So what in the world does that have to do with Mother's Day? What does that have to do with community? What is the implication of this teaching? Again, we're on page one of the Bible. What is the implication as we think about what healthy community looks like in our life? And to, to wrap our heads around that, I, what I wanna do is say a word to each of these two who are created in the image of the one. So first, ladies, moms, mothers in the faith. What I want you to hear as you think about this truth here in the very beginning of the scriptures, I want you to hear, I want you to remember that you are created in the image of God. That you are created in the image of God. That the essence, the character, the, 
the function of this divine creator, that you are a part of that. It's reflected in the way that this divine parent has shaped your life and, and, and your, uh, your existence. And if, this is the less obvious understanding that we often miss, if in the image of the one, the one created the two, then we cannot understand the one without the presence, the insight, the beauty and the glory that God has embedded in each of the two. In other words, when we think about community, when we think about life, part of what we see here, what we hear here in this scripture is that there is no life without you. There is no real community without you. There is no true and authentic expression of church without you. We need you. We need your voice. We need your insight. We need the unique perspective that you have. We all need your courage. We need your compassion. We need the passion of your life. We need the witness of your faith. Within the body that is the church, there's more than just a place for you here. There is in fact a divine purpose that only you can fill. And if it isn't filled by you, then the church cannot be what the church has been called to be. And so for the ladies, the women, the moms, the mothers in the faith, part of what we want you to hear today is that we need you to speak. We need you to teach. We need you to preach. We need you to challenge. We need you to inspire. We need you to influence. We need you to lead. And we want you to encourage one another in this truth. We want you to invest in your sisters. We want you to speak these words of truth into your daughters. We want you to share with them this reminder that there is within them a voice that needs to be heard and there is within them a dream that God has planted in their hearts that we all want them to pursue. So for the men, for the fathers and the fathers in the faith, what's the word for you today? Well, again, you are also created in the image of God, but most of you weren't worried about that because you live in a world that reminds you of that, right? You, like the females here among us, you are one of the two who share this distinction among all living things. You have been created in the image of the one, and because in the image of the one, the one created the two, we also need you, because you cannot understand the one without understanding the two. But we also need you to speak into the lives of your mothers and your grandmothers, your nieces, your cousins, your aunts, your daughters, 
We need you to speak these words into their life to say that there is no life without you. There is no real community without you. There's no true or authentic expression of the church without you. We need you. We need your voice. We need your spirit. We need your compassion. We need your courage. We need you to speak. We need you to teach. We need you to preach. We are going to make the space for you to challenge and to lead because we cannot be who we are called to be without you. And this is a word that the church so desperately needs to hear, a reminder of what is present in the very beginning of the scriptures, that in the image of the one, God created the two. And for healthy community to happen, for any of us in our life, for any of us to be who we have been called to be, we need the wisdom the insight, the guidance that is present in each of the two. And my guess is you already know that. You already know that because on a day like today, hopefully you think about that. Hopefully you not only think about the way in which your life has been blessed by a mom, but hopefully like me, you find yourself thinking about more than just mom, you think about all the mothers in faith that have been a part of your life all along the way. And the way in which many of them were able to speak a truth in your life that you would not have heard in any other way, but through their voice and through their life and through their witness. And so part of what we do today is we simply honor, we celebrate, we affirm the women of our church, what God has given to you, the divine purpose that belongs to you and you alone that we need you to fill. We remember that in the image of the one, God created the two and we need, we need both because there is no community without you. Some of the best teachers in our church are those mothers in faith. Some of the best leaders in our church are those mothers in the faith. Who we are today is a reflection of your faith, your compassion, your courage, and your witness. And today, we want to celebrate you. We want to affirm you. Most of all, we want to encourage you and remind you how desperately we need you. Let's pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for the great responsibility that you have given to each and every one of us to shepherd and to care for that which you have entrusted to each of us. We thank, Lord, of all that that means, the creation that surrounds us, but also, Lord, the new life that you bless us with. Lord, we pray that you would move us beyond a, uh, an understanding of our life that is only about ourselves. That you would remind us in these coming weeks, Lord, how desperately we need community and maybe, Lord, to even challenge us to see the way in which we are right now struggling or even hurting because we've withdrawn from those you have given to us in our life. 
We thank you, Lord, for uh, the leadership, the care, the, the wisdom of the women that you have blessed this church with and you have blessed our lives with. We pray, Lord, that they would not only feel today your affirmation of each and every one of them, Lord, but also, Lord, that they would know how desperately we all need their presence in our life. May you bless your church, Lord, as we seek to be the church you have called us to be. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as you leave today, if there's anything we can do to serve or bless you, I want you to know we'd love to do that. I'll be here at the front uh, following the service. If you have a need in your life you'd like to share uh, with one of our pastors, uh, again, I'll mention the survey to you, which you can find uh, on our website. Also, if you'd like to pick up a paper copy, uh, those will be at the connecting point. The other thing that we have as you leave uh, is, uh, are, are these connecting cards. Uh, as we were thinking about this series and how could we help the people in our church who are living busy frantic lives, how could we help them invest in community wherever they are? Uh, we thought about this idea of putting together a few cards that just have some questions that you can share uh, with your family and your friends as you move throughout your life. So moms who also happen to be Uber drivers. Do we have any moms who happen to be Uber drivers? My, my wife is an Uber driver. She shows up wherever uh, the children need her to be. Uh, if, um, uh, one of the things you might do, you might carry this around in your car because it's got some questions that you can discuss uh, with your kids as you uh, uh, go to and from the many activities that you have. You can put them on your uh, dinner table. You know that place that you have in your house where sometimes you gather around and you eat food? Well, you might gather around and eat some food and uh, talk about uh, some of these questions. And so you can pick these up on, on your way out. Uh, we hope that this resource uh, is a blessing to you. Will you please stand now as we prepare to go from this place? Today, I want to encourage you to think about your, how your life has been blessed, your faith has been nurtured by the leadership, the wisdom of the women that God has blessed you with in your life. And I want to encourage you to speak in words to them an understanding of your appreciation for what they have done for you. Go as people who have been given words of life and may you be people who will also be willing to share words of life with one another. Go in Jesus' name and go in peace. Amen.